sets of poll numbers. Which one's going to get us more off track? Probably the gun poll numbers. So I'll hit you with the tax poll numbers. Do we have a track? Oh, we have a track. It's the short track. (laughs) We have a track. (laughs) We'll do the taxes first. And then the people's attitudes on guns and a little more uh, that we now know about the the shooting in Florida and the shooter and that sort of stuff. And those of you who heard yesterday's show may be amazed by this, but I actually have more presidential fun facts we didn't get to yesterday. Well, the day after. Yeah. Leftover fun facts. Can you have too many fun facts? (laughs) I actually heard heard someone say on NPR, I think it was, no, MSNBC. That the advantage Trump has, so the tax plan's more popular now. It's up, it's over 50% now. 51% of people approve of the Republican tax plan overhaul. It's up 14 points since December. It's funny, I'm not seeing a lot of reportage on that. It's gone up 14 points since December. And I heard a discussion. Well, come on now, that was five weeks, six weeks. Please, nothing changes that much in six weeks. It's amazing. And I heard um, I, I heard a pundit say on MSNBC, they're t- comparing it to Obamacare and how it it has gained popularity, but very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. It didn't jump up like this. And someone said, someone said, well, Trump has the advantage of this, this machine of information that he can put out there to confuse people about the tax plan. And I thought, as opposed to Barack Obama what? and the entirety of the mainstream media Man. that was pushing Obamacare, and Trump, who had the entirety of the mainstream media, convincing you that the tax plan was evil. Other than that, you're exactly right. Wow. Wow is right. I thought, well, I, could you, did, did you just say that out loud? If you've ever wondered how absurd a thing are they willing to say over there, now you know. But so, uh, the tax plan got passed late last year and we have a way to the rich and days before it happened we had paul ryan the speaker of the house on and he came on and we hit him with the you know uh, nancy pelosi everybody's saying that the average american is going to get a tax hike out of this and he said that's just not true and i thought wow somebody's completely lying right well and he also said listen when we start the year and people see this in the paycheck, you're going to see those numbers change a lot. He did say that, but he said, we said it. We said quite literally the the measure is pretty unpopular right now. What was the charming thing Paul Ryan said? We asked him something charming. Do you remember that, Sean? It was non politics related about the Packers or being from Wisconsin. Or, oh, I said I was from South right. Wisconsin, and we had a little. That's right. You, you guys went to the same corner store or something like that. Brought up junk food and that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Oh, that's anyway, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Paul Ryan was saying, well, actually, the average American is going to get a tax break, I thought, you know, that runs counter to everything everybody's saying in the media. Well, people must feel differently because it's up 14 points since then and is now into mm-hmm. above 50% territory. If you break it down by party, um, GOP, 89% approve of it, 9% disapprove. Still way underwater among Democrats, of course. Only 19% approve, but it's up from basically zero. And it's now overall uh, well, above 50%. Boy, that deserves some analysis. And probably growing. <clears throat> I mean, 19% approval among Democrats. So we have to believe that either those folks are newly minted deficit hawks. To them, I say, welcome where you've been. And I'm not sure that's it. Or they're against them having more money in the middle class and certainly the lower parts of the middle class, because that is unquestionably what's happening here. 
Or, you know, they were so thoroughly indoctrinated by Nancy Pelosi and all the mainstream media that they don't yet believe their own eyes. But that's uh, tax cuts are uniformly popular. And the fact that it enjoys only 19% popularity among Democrats just shows you how wildly partisan we ha- we are right now and how it distorts people's perceptions. Because do not come to me and tell me that all those, all those Democrats are suddenly small government conservatives and deficit hawks. Because they ain't. Anyway, I just thought that was pretty interesting. What it means for the election in November, I don't know. This is going to be what a lot of people campaign on, and it's over 50% in popularity. As opposed to Obamacare, which got passed, and then nobody ran on Obamacare, if you'll remember any of those ran elections. Ran away from it, yeah. yeah. Nobody mentioned it at all. Yeah. Now to the gun you thing. You know what's kind of funny about Obamacare and its growing popularity is, is we don't have anything close to quote-unquote Obamacare happening right now. We have a bit here and a piece there and... And then, and you know, as Craig, the Obamacare lawyer, would point out, they're you know of the stuff we get side, we're getting some of it. Of the how we pay for it side, we're doing virtually none no, of it. Nobody cares about that side, though. Well, right, and people are getting stuff. So, right, exactly. Right. Yep, ho ho ho. The government has Santa Claus. So on the gun stuff, seventy-seven percent. This is an ABC Washington Post poll. Seventy-seven percent of those survey faulted Congress for its inaction. Uh, when specifically asked about the shooting in Florida. So that's that's a big-time majority right there. Mm-hmm. 77% fault Congress for allowing that to happen. 62% blamed Trump. Trump? Um, yeah. Okay. The poll also showed that 58% said the shooting at the high school could have been prevented if we had stricter gun laws in place. 37% said it wouldn't have mattered. 77%, another big number, said the killings could have been averted if more effective mental health screening and treatment were in place. Well, certainly if you load the FBI doing its job on that, because it is, in a way, a mental health thing, then, yeah, God, that ought to be 100% of us, because that's undeniable. Um, but on the gun stuff, Ben Shapiro... Um if you know his act, you do. If you don't, you don't. But Ben Shapiro uh, tweeted over the weekend, whenever you hear people say a majority of Americans are for gun control, which is true in a broad sense, mm-hmm. uh, understand that this is as true as and as meaningless as a majority of Americans are for spending cuts. When you get down to the nitty-gritty, what are you going to actually cut? You can't get, you can't get consensus. Mm-hmm. And the same with a lot of gun control. Um. So, speaking of that, so you get down to the assault weapon ban. The, and I was surprised by this. The country is split. 50% support a nationwide assault weapon ban. 46% oppose one. It's 50-50 on that. Yeah. That surprises me. Yeah. I thought it would be way more people supporting a nationwide ban. Even with the lack of information most people have on what that would mean. Well, right. They just know in general it sounds good to still them, only is- 50%. Which is yeah. pretty surprising to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm surprised too. And you know, putting aside, as you say, the definitional problems and the rest of it. And you know, listen, if there's some way to really improve uh, the background check system that squares with the Constitution, and and you know, to, to improve mental health, and you know, to get the FBI to do what it's supposed to do, et cetera, et cetera, I'm in favor of that stuff. I'm not an extremist at all. I just, you know, we need to observe the Constitution. But let's all get together because we can't have kids dying. We can't have concert goers dying. It's just terrible. It's uh, in a country this wonderful. It's just it's inexcusable. At the same time, though, because I'm not running for office and I have no interest in whipping 
people up in one direction or another. I'm begging y'all, can we count the number of already existing laws that were ignored or broken in, for instance, the latest shooting, and make sure those are happening before we pass additional laws that will be ignored or violated and and will feel like we've done something, and then there will be a school shooting and God help us another place. And, and we'll have the same conversation over and over again. We have a lot of laws. We have a lot of law enforcement. We have a lot of counseling. We just got to make sure we're doing it right. Well, the FBI thing alone is just a horror. I mean, that that's the very thing you've been pounding into our heads for years now to alert you when you got a tip on this. This was beyond a tip. And now you've got high school kids out today. These are new. This is new information. Students saying they reported their concerns to the school multiple times that, that, that they believed this kid was going to shoot up the school. So the school was alerted multiple times. The FBI was alerted. Social workers at his house, he's saying he wants to gun and get a gun and he wants to hurt himself. You know, if you're willing to hurt yourself, you're willing to hurt others. Right. I don't know. And all these are difficult in a free society to deal with, but you're not going to get much better a test case than this. Unless a kid is, you know, standing outside the school with the gun. Talking to the FBI. Talking, I mean, yeah. you're, you're not going to get much better than we got here, and we still didn't stop it. So I just went uh, searching on FBI statement on Florida shooting, and virtually everything is three, four days old. They have not addressed this specifically. That's what I, government agencies do. I did find one article about uh, uh, the the call center operates in near anonymity from its hub in rural West Virginia. Nearly 4 million telephone calls and emails have poured into it since the operations were consolidated six years ago. That's a few hundred thousand a year, or several hundred thousand a year. Uh, Let's see. It was aimed at centralizing separate call centers that had been functioning at all 56 field offices across the country, freeing up more agents to work the streets and divisions across the country. Well... I get that. I understand that. Uh, but is it doing any good at taking tips and figuring out which ones are valid and need action? Well, the head guy at that office said they didn't follow protocol. He has stated they screwed up. They did not follow the protocol. Why they are keeping it a secret as to who it was or what they're going to do about it, I, that bothers me. Where's the breakdown? Just say it. Yeah. That was supposed to the way the way they currently structure their operation that should have been passed along, and it wasn't. Yeah, and there's yeah. no explanation for it. Well, yeah, you know, I have all the mechanics of how it works, or how it's supposed to work, but they didn't do that. Uh, what happened in the Cruz case uh, on January 5th, according to the FBI, the public access line received information from quote a person close to Cruz. About the suspect's, quote, gun ownership, desire to kill people, erratic behavior, and the potential of him conducting a school shooting. Still quoting now, under established protocols, the information provided by the caller should have been assessed as a potential threat to life. The information should have been forwarded to the FBI Miami field office, etc., etc. The information was not provided to the Miami field office. No further investigation was conducted. Okay, and it shouldn't be very hard to figure out where it stopped. Right. But they're not doing that. Or they've done it and aren't telling us. Yeah. Which is not cool. I I agree with the governor of Florida who says, you got to release all the information today that you have on this. Right. Once again, it's the old, (laughs) you work for us. You got it backwards here. You work for us. We're your bosses. And we're saying you need to release this information. 
Where did it stop? Who was working that day? Who was in the office that day? Like you said earlier, you want to keep it Jane Doe or whatever so these people aren't getting death threats at home? That's fine. But what happened? You know, you've mentioned indirectly the essence of libertarianism. Are they working for us, or are we working for them? Well, I think it's pretty clear. I would clear. argue, to a large extent now, the, the citizens of the United States work for the government. They Absolutely. are our boss. And they dribble out information when they feel like and it. And a lot of you are comfortable with that, because it makes you feel safe. I despise it. Always under security or something, they dribble out this information. Or just the old, you just drag your feet until people get bored with it. The next story comes along. Another scandal comes along. And uh, we'll forget about it. And a report will be issued in a year. Uh, New protocols have been put in place. Uh, Some agent has been reassigned. I can almost guarantee you that's what we're going to hear. Just write write that down and release it, because that's what it will be. In coming months. And the agent has been reassigned. Where? Doing what? Loses salary? In trouble? And will that do any good? Will that do any good? And if he's sucky at his job, why is he moving to somewhere else? Kind of like the child molesters moving around. Why'd you move this person who doesn't do their job to somewhere else to not do their job? Because bureaucracies protect bureaucracies. That's what they do. That is their job. One more thing on the gun laws thing. The the question I always have on these. I don't think intensifying background checks would have caught the, the Vegas shooter guy. Because he had no criminal past. And would it would have stopped this kid at all? Is there any reason it would have stopped him? I don't know. It depends what's in the background check. He was obviously very troubled. And it's worth pointing out, the last three Florida shootings, this terrible screwed-up kid, Omar Mateen, the, uh, the the jihadi at the gay nightclub, and uh, the airport shooting, all three of those people were on the FBI's watch uh, radar screen. Oh. They had specific reports that these people were dangerous. So are we going to add more laws now? And what? Hmm. I hope some smart person can figure out the breakdown there. Uh, our t- text line is 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In June of 2017, a request came to the Unicode Emoji Library to include a lobster. Adding a lobster emoji, the application said, will complete the representation of popular crustaceans in the emoji collection. Use of the lobster emoji was predicted to be high in coastal regions throughout the world. There was a problem, though, with the image submitted for consideration. Uh The proposed lobster emoji had only eight legs, and the people of Maine demanded a correction to the proper ten. The consortium wrote... We heard you. We made some mistakes, and we are fixing them. Aaron Katursky, ABC News. <laughs> Aaron! Aaron! You want me to cover what? <laughs> you, they put you on the lobster emoji beat? The all what about the nutritious trout? Right, The all-important emoji beat. Wow, they got the number of legs wrong. It's got eight legs, then two claws, if you want to get fancy. I like what you said there at the beginning where it uh, would fill out the crustacean collection of emojis. <laughs> That's some good Completing news right there. Wow. Yeah, Interesting. Lobster emoji. And they thought it'd be very popular in the Northeast for people who want to say, hey, you want to go out for dinner? And then, I guess, put the lobster emoji on there or something. I had the wrong number of legs, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, you look at it and you think, wait, there's something wrong with that lobster emoji. People complained. And the response was, we hear you. I tell you what, those people must have, like, magnifying glasses or something, because the average emoji is quite small for, mm-hmm. you know, leg-counting purposes. Mm-hmm.
looking at the texts we got. Oh, yeah. These are some serious yeah. topics. Um, I, I, the whole mental health thing. So 77% of Americans think we need to, you know, uh, pay attention to that aspect, do something. What's it going to be, though? I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. Was that, was that kid a kid that you can deny him his constitutional right to own a gun? Because he gets in fights at school. I mean, the, the, the talking about shooting up the school. Well, does that keep you from owning a gun? Can, can you do that constitutionally? You know, I'd sure like to shoot a lot of people. Is that enough to keep you to, to have the government say, I can't own a gun because I said that? I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't know if am, the court's ever dealt with that. Am I correct? He, he is a diagnosed autistic, right? I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't. Okay. I retract my statement. He was at a school for that for a while, but I'm not sure they're that they're positive they've got that nailed down. Um. Yeah, and it's it's kind of complicated. But uh, and could you keep people if somebody was diagnosed autistic? Can you keep them from owning a gun? I'm, I don't know that you can constitutionally. That with a history of violence. I, I don't. I'm. I don't know. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. History of violence. Well, I've known a lot of people that got in fights a lot in high school and other places. The history of violence. Yeah. And went on to be normal people. Well, right, right. And there have been angry people and crazy people and the rest of it for all of human history, but they didn't go to school with whatever firearm they had and kill as many people uh, people as possible. Right. That's a new contagion or new wish. And you got the whole psychotropic drugs argument and then the fact that uh, you know, the Second Amendment sits there in the Constitution. It's a tough nut to that, crack, man. That's the, that's the part people I don't think most people get, it being a constitutional right. Because if it weren't, this would be a whole lot easier <laughs> and a lot more and a lot more uh, arguing about it to where to draw the line. If it was like driving, where you can take away people's driving rights, you can establish all kinds of stuff. Right. Because there's no constitutional right to drive. No. But a constitutional right's a big deal. That would have been really forward-thinking if the Founding Fathers had included that uh, in uh, 1789. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I just... Partisan shouting is a terrible idea to deal with this one because it is complicated, and it has to do not only with the Second Amendment, but with the First Amendment. You're talking about what if somebody says something, blah, blah, blah. It also has to do with just, you know, the, the entirety of the of our civil and natural rights... When can you deny somebody their freedom or restrict their behaviors? Because of the mental health thing? Right. I mean, who among us as a teenager did not, full of angst and and frustration, say something that if it were shown to us now, we'd think, I said that? Yeah, if uh, if you're put in a mental place and not allowed to go, you're practically under arrest, more or less. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's complicated. Uh, what's coming up under your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, the Supreme Court's just weighed in on a gun control measure and a big leap forward for human-sheep hybrids. Finally. What could possibly go Wait, wrong? it can cook. To cite the old joke. No? No. Stay tuned. Where do you get this stuff? Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> Hey there, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, and we got a bunch of texts from people who work with uh, troubled youth and that sort of stuff. I represent a local children's department in court. There are so many troubled youth 
that it takes a well-trained, savvy, sensible, non-bureaucratical FBI agent to sift through and figure out who is really a threat. We do not have the resources to do that. Yeah. I'll bet there are way more troubled kids yeah. than you realize. <sighs> yeah. And if that's the case, let's be adults and confront it and talk about what to do about it. Right. Uh, but, yeah. and But then there's also the which ones need to be, like we were talking about earlier, institutionalized of some sort. Mm-hmm. That's a heck of a thing to, to lock somebody up. How angry and crazy do you have to be? Who makes that decision to lock somebody up? Or to be kept apart from owning a gun. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, maybe we raise the age. Then how do you have a standing military with a bunch of 18-year-olds marching around with guns? Mm. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, they're on the move. Students from that Florida high school where 17 people were killed last week are hoping to pressure state lawmakers to consider tougher gun control laws. Do they have specific laws in mind? You know, this is one of the questions yeah. that people have been bringing up. Well, it, what exactly do you want it, us to do? It reminds me of when Hillary confronted the Black Lives Matter crowd. She said, what particular laws do you want passed? What do you right. want done? She said, the only way you can have any effect is you have something specific. And and I absolutely understand the emotion after these if we got to do something but what specific laws and is it something we could actually pull off you want to toughen up background checks you want to get uh, devote more uh, more funds to uh, mental health care facilities right. uh, i mean those are some of the things that have been talked about but i haven't heard any specifics yet from the kids yesterday dozens of teens laid down on the pavement outside the white house they were doing that to symbolize the people who were killed at the florida school shooting while calling for stronger gun control. We don't even feel safe in our own school. We are the ones who are the school kids. We're the ones sitting in the classrooms, and we want something to be done. Shame on you! Shame on you! Really hoping that this can be the breaking point, and this can be the time that a change is made, because something needs to happen. Well, I say keep it up, kids. Uh, By God, if there is a solution, let's take the time and energy to find it. Yeah. Wanted to mention this kid, Peter Wang, 15-year-old who died. He was junior ROTC as a 15-year-old there at the high school, and he held the door open while people got out, and he ended up getting shot and killed, and uh, his classmates want him buried with full military honors. Wow. I don't know if that's something that can happen, but I certainly like the gesture. I love the idea. Yeah. Yeah. U.S. Supreme Court is not going to hear a case challenging California's gun waiting period. The case was challenging state law requiring a 10-day waiting period after all gun sales, the so-called cooling-off period covering all purchases of firearms, even if a buyer is already a registered owner. Federal, yeah, I've never understood that. Yeah. Federal appeals. Yeah, that seems a little odd. It's I'm getting a fourth weapon. If I'm so, if right. I'm quote-unquote hot, uh, you know what I'll do. Yeah, it seems a little odd, but whatever. Federal appeals court ruled that the waiting period's reasonable, and the ruling will stand since the Supreme Court refuses to weigh in on it. You know, the federal appeals court is so riddled with partisanship, you know, on both sides, grant you. I'll grant you. Uh, I hear an appeals court has ruled, and I think, okay, just a delay on the way to the Supreme right. Court. Sure. Right. I mean, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court redrawing the map of the state's congressional district. Somebody want to bet a hundred bucks that gets overturned by the Supreme Court? I'm virtually certain it will be. Um, but for now, it's the law of the land. So, put up with it. Most of the country has phased out paper ballots in favor of more advanced voting systems, but legislation's been proposed now in Georgia to go For back. no good reason, by the way. For no good reason was that done. It was after Florida in 2000. Right. There's right. no data to show 
that there was a problem before or that this is better. The electronic stuff. It was just very, very expensive and makes it easier to hack. Georgia has uh, proposed legislation to go back to the paper basics in order to safeguard their elections since paper ballots allow results to be verified. The state Republican Representative Scott Turner, who introduced the legislation to get rid of Georgia's electronic touchscreen voting machines and switch back to paper, said the voters would fill out their ballots and then they'd be counted by optical scan machines. And Turner says, you can try and hack these machines all day long, but that piece of paper that you can touch and feel and look at is going to give the voter the confidence that the election is actually being recorded the way it should have been. It's clearly the answer. I heard yep. Johnson, <laughs> um, I think it was on Brett Baer's uh, newscast on Fox News, talking about how the hacking situation is going to get worse before it gets better. And I don't think there's any doubt that that's true. Somebody's talking about, you know, most of the counties around the country are now uh, equipped with Wi-Fi. Yeah. And I'm thinking, if anybody so much as utters a, a sentence about, uh, let's have uh, all internet voting uh, hooked up to our Wi-Fi system. Don't worry, it'll be password protected. I want them dragged down to the, uh, the town square and pelted with tomatoes. I mean, I can't think of anything more stupid than connecting our voting system to anything via the internet. The Russians ever actually change any votes somewhere, and then we got a serious problem. And what will we do? We'll go back to paper ballots. So let's just do it before we get screwed. Scientists are very busy these days. Bunch of oldsters in Florida can't figure out the ballot. You know, God bless them. You know, you care for your children, you care for your old, but you don't let them dictate policy. Scientists very busy these days, a number of them creating human-sheep hybrids as part of an effort to produce human organs in animals. I want to vote. It could lead to creating organs for transplants. That was Joe doing a uh, what a sheep would sound like if it could speak like a human. That's and right. bringing up the ethical quandary of is it then a human being right. with the right for representation? That was actually a clip from my one-man <laughs> sentient sheep show that's getting such great notices on Broadway. <laughs> Creating a- human-animal hybrids. It takes me three hours to get in the costume. <laughs> the work could lead to creating organs for transplants in people. So researchers from the University of California, Davis, and Stanford University say their work could one day help supply organs for the more than 100,000 Americans who need life-saving organ transplants. So- I don't need help getting over the fence. Stop it. (laughs) Anyway, they have been very busy. They presented their findings over the weekend at the annual American Association for the Advancement of Science meeting in Austin, Texas. I'll be damned. They are getting closer and closer and closer. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of our nation. So whether it's pigs or sheep, we are going to grow organs in some animal and have an endless supply of livers and kidneys and stuff at some point, right? Yeah, as long as we can get past the whole rejection thing. But I know they're working on, you know, manipulating the genes for that specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, we were talking about paper ballots. I heard another report just the other day about offices in Russia, some high security offices in Russia where they're doing all their memos and that on paper. Oh, yeah. actually walking them around. Their KGB does that. Yeah. 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 Well, they're I mean, former KGB. It has new letters now, but it does the same thing. I'm going, wow, is that where we're going to end up? Everybody's yeah. going to be, you know, putting things on paper and walking it over to somebody else. Yeah, there are already people that do that. They don't send emails. Well, because they get hacked eventually. It's just, you know, they just do. Okay, so we got a bunch of other stuff to get to, right? Don't we? Yeah. We absolutely do. We got, I'll let you know why I'm so troubled by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court case. Uh, oh, you know. 
Senator Tim Scott's talked about the Florida shooting. That's his state. Maybe we'll get to that. And what is a peak experience? Only 2% of us have one. What? I want one. Should be your goal in life to have a peak experience. Can I buy one? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Everybody in my house is sick but me. Wow. This is the second disease in a row that everybody's gotten sick but me. I hold it off by gritting my teeth. Oh, just strength of character. And swearing to myself, I'm not going to get sick. Wow. You know, you can do that for a while. I've known a number of people who did that. Usually it's in um, taking care of someone else. Like I knew a guy who's taking care of his wife the last year of her life when she was going through cancer and dying and everything like that. As soon as she died and he no longer had the experience, he, he like collapsed, had to go to the hospital. He had some, uh, one of his organs wasn't working on him. Wow. But you, your body can go into survival mode in desperate times and hold off illness. That it seems like it should not be true, but I don't d- doubt it for a minute. I've known a couple of people who did that. Yeah, yeah. Or, God, this is way heavier than I thought we were going to talk about. I didn't think that was just interesting. Or, I'm yeah. holding off I'm illness. Not, I, I, I have home. another insightful and okay. moving comment, but I'm holding it back. Too heavy. That everybody in my household is sick and feverish and sneezing on me. Oh, boy. Disgusting. Um, have well, you ever had a peak experience? I'm not sure I'd ever even heard the term. Mm. According to research, only about 2% of people have had this highly sought-after phenomenon. Boy, I don't know. I hope so. I feel like I'm getting cheated if I haven't. And if I haven't, I'm going to go find one. What is a peak experience? A peak experience is a memorable moment of joy that isn't simply about the high of happiness. There's also a feeling of transcendence or spiritual connection associated with it, too. These experiences can serve as a turning point in your life or just a reminder of what's important to you when you're bogged down by the day-to-day. Well, okay, so far I think like 70% of us would have had that. but It's one of those superlative moments that begs for exploration and and um, few researchers and psychologists have dis- have described it in certain ways. I can describe it for you. Please. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I've got to go with the obvious birth of a child. I mean, if that isn't one, what is? Yeah, I feel like I've had one, but, you know, if only one out of 50 of us has one, then I'm probably setting the bar too low, maybe. Well, maybe we're just very dull, so our peaks are low. <laughs> it's like the highest peak in Kansas. It's like being the smartest horse. Right. <laughs> Uh, this guy who wrote a book called The Handbook of Humanistic Psychology. Oh, it's an easy read. Breezy. You'd enjoy it. Explains hey, it this turner, way. Great beach read. Peak experiences intense joy or ecstasy that stands out perceptually and cognitively among other experiences. Seems like I have one of those a month. What? Or at least I want so desperately to understand this. I'm trying. Somebody else said a peak experience is characterized by many are characterized by such intensity of perception. Okay, I don't know if I've ever had that. Such intensity of perception, depth of feeling, or sense of profound significance as to cause it to stand out in the subject's mind in more or less permanent contrast to the experiences that surround it in time and space. 
whoa, that's heavy. Okay. So when you think back on it, it stands out against all the rest of your life as just like something completely different. Right. You still think you've had a bunch of them? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I remember the births of my children, and some were, were pure joy. One was very scary. Um, it changed the trajectory of my life completely, and I viewed everything from that day forward differently. And I don't. I'm not trying to poo-poo it. Because if I have or to fly to Naples... that you've had, you've had so many peak experiences, you're just tired of the whole concept. Well, I, I don't think that's what I've done. I'm Joe Getty. My peaks are plateaus. <laughs> yeah. My peaks are your plateaus. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm willing to fly to, to Nepal and, and, and ride bareback up a mountain on a goat or, you know, and, and commune with the Dalai Lama or whatever, but... I think I've had one, but I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Hey, would Joe uh, hitting a hole-in-one be a peak experience? <laughs> No, that was fun, but no, I didn't really didn't really change my the way I thought about life. And the one that I've had is not the birth of my kids, but I don't want to talk about it. I, I just I just don't think it'd do me any good. I I think I I've had one for sure. I might have had two, but I don't know if I'm just setting the bar too low for the so second one. So it's something was, that happens to one out of fifty people, and everybody here has had one. Well, so it just seems a little unlikely. Jack. Is it when your goat won third place at the county fair? <laughs> 4-H project. I thought he wouldn't even finish right. <laughs> in the top five. Well, when I look back on my life and I see there was certainly a, a, a thing where this happened and then the way that I looked at the world changed drastically. Well, that that's, sounds and, pretty close. And so that's I see those in my life, but I don't know if it necessarily meets so the got, abstract standard of what they are qualifying when as. When you got that. PlayStation 2? That was a big thing. That was really big. No, when I, uh, when, I traveled, when I traveled internationally for the first time, I went to England and I saw, oh my goodness, there's... Well, one, I walked into buildings that were older than my country, mm-hmm. and I just saw there's an entire there. These are all just people too, just waiters, cab drivers. Well, these are people just living life. They found a way to make it work, and it, I don't know. I maybe it's because I was young at the time, but just those kind of things happening all in one weekend vacation. You really didn't sure. know there were people in Europe. <laughs> well, I had the same. Sure. I had the no, same I, feeling. Totally different way of life. Yeah. Totally different uh, government system. Blah blah blah. And yeah. and, and there. And it's like, yeah. oh, I could because I was a bartender at the time. I was like, oh, I can I can be a bartender here. What if, what if I did that? Right, like just kind of <laughs> one of those things. It's like I could I could do this. You anywhere. can't unless you immigrate legally. By the way, but uh, other than that. Uh, whether you want to seek one out or know it when it happens to you, the following are the elements that come together to create a peak experience. Here we go. According to this book. Elevation. When you rise above. In Nepal, riding that mountain goat up the mountain. When you rise above what you would normally experience or look at life and can see it as extraordinary. I think you just described that, Sean. Or? Okay. One for one. Insight. We see the world, our relationships, and ourselves in a new and powerful way that changes our perceptions going forward. I think we all have that now and then, don't we? Yeah. Whether birth of a kid or a variety of things, somebody dies. Pride. Achieving a long-held goal, surprising yourself with your resilience, courage, and strength. Like when I ate that seven hot dogs last year. Right. Right. Good example. Pride in ourselves is a moment when we are able to see the best of ourselves. I don't know if I've had that one. I don't. In fact, I'm almost sure I haven't had that one. Well, are you grading me on a curve? I mean, my best? Then I've done that, <laughs> obviously. It's a one-man curve. <laughs> I have done my best. I get an A every time. I'm doing my best right now. Exactly. It's not much to see, is it? All right, point four is the one that's really going to blow your mind. Here we go. Connection. We feel connected to other human beings, which could include close family or friends, but could also include connections to animals, a place, or planet Earth. Okay, I'm bewildered. A place yeah. or planet Earth. Hmm. 
course, I woke up bewildered. So. I hope I didn't just waste your time. But <sighs> apparently, this is something people really want, a mm. peak experience. Mm. Only one out of 50 of us have had one. According to the peak experience police. <laughs> Joe's over there hogging them all. <laughs> Listen, I got one scheduled for 2 o'clock this afternoon. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. I, gonna... I don't know. Is there? I'm thinking that most really, really happy people go through life don't ever think about that crap. They just enjoy their lives or take things in or something. Don't you think? You know, yeah. I. You know, it's funny. This is kind of a related thought. A, a great aunt of mine just passed away at age 94, I think. Um, she was the, the wife of my grandmother's brother, um, and she was the last of that generation to go. Um, and and uh, her obituary was kind of a biography, and I had no idea yeah. of all these things she'd done. I had no idea I should ask her about them. I mean, I, I realize you don't want to, like, bring your resume to family reunions or have a, uh, a publicist with you. You know, your aunt over there literally uh, went to Afghanistan and China and all these countries to study... You know, their nutrition and botany and the rest of it. Uh, You should ask her about that. But I wish I had known. Yeah. Is there something we can do about that? I don't know. That's a good one. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.